It is time for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today brought to you by the Willie Store, family owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Polly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop. Flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and so much more in Waitsfield. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. Vermont's largest independent home center. Sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. By PNR Lumber, Route 15 in Walcott. Family Mill Lumber for all your projects. PNR Lumber is on Facebook. By Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com online. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel, bringing you the In the Garden podcast. Dandelion Acres Garden Center. They're online at dandelionacres.com. Our telephone lines are open. 802-244-1777 for your comments and questions on gardening. And here is the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. How goes it? Happy Independence Day to you. And a big big round of applause for a great and important <laughs> holiday. And yes. for the host of In the Garden. Yes, <laughs> that's for sure. And uh, so I um, had a little fun uh, uh, yesterday when I was at the Plainfield Co-op and, and I was talking to the clerk and somebody said, you sound like Peter Burke on the radio. <laughs> you say, I do impersonation. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was fun because this is a young man, a fellow named Keegan, who started a garden and likes to listen to our show. And uh, it's always uh, nice to talk to young gardeners who are starting out. And he had planted his first round of asparagus and is patiently waiting for a crop. And uh, um, that's uh, a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to to talk to people about gardening, and it's always been a a favorite of mine. That's for sure. Now, last week we had Gene, and he was talking to me about his scapes on his garlic. And I have to issue an apology and a correction, as I told him I didn't think the scapes were up quite yet. But in fact, I went back to my garden, and sure enough, there they were. Scapes were had started their way up, and uh, and there was even a couple that started the curl, you know, the the distinctive curl. And so uh, I'm curious to see if uh, Gene had any more luck uh, later on. But sure enough, yep, it's time to harvest those uh, scapes, and uh, and I like to fry them up just exactly the way I do uh, uh, asparagus. You know, uh, just a little olive oil and a hot skittle and, and, uh, turn them a couple of times and, you know, maybe four minutes on a side at most. And then they soften up really nicely and they're just as delicious as, uh, the asparagus are and well worth it. And there's tons of different ways. Some people make garlic scape, uh, pesto and, uh, which is, um, it has sort of a really creamy texture versus the the basil and of course uh, um the regular basil pesto of course you know you would add the the basil and a parsley and all those things to it but um it, it makes a, a great pesto but uh, it's infrequent i can get enough together to make pesto because we fry them up as soon as we harvest them <laughs> And anyway, but I noticed they were at the, at the stores, you know, the co-ops had garlic scapes that you could buy for, 
whatever. And uh, so that was one thing that I noticed. And then uh, as I was thinking about the show a little bit afterwards, I realized there was one advantage to what I call the bucket and the cup watering method is that you can water any time at all, even in a sunny, sunny, hot, hot day, because you're just watering the ground and you're not getting any water on the leaves of your plants. So that means that in a, on a hot day, um, uh, when maybe you have the time uh, and uh, you, the plants have the need, you can go ahead and water without any worry about burning the plants with, uh, you know, drops, droplets of water being magnified by the by the sun. And that's an, an advantage of the bucket, bucket and cup method that I talk about. And those were two things I, I had uh, sort of thought about afterwards. Uh, Japanese knotweed, as it turns out, is quite delicious if you get it as a, as a young, um, uh, shoot, looks like asparagus. They're about, you know, maybe, oh, six, anywhere between six and ten inches. And they're, they're delicious. So that's one way, uh, besides making honey, you know, like Rick Drutcher said, uh, is to go ahead and eat them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and I, I don't know, but, and I haven't heard, and, uh, so far I haven't seen that. Of course, you know, in, uh, Chinese food, you oftentimes see bamboo shoots, and uh, I'm not sure that the Japanese knotweed would work for bamboo shoots, but bamboo shoots are actually very high in protein and are delicious and crunchy, so that's the the next thing I have to research on the Japanese knotweed, so you know how it is, if you can't can't fight them, you know, can't beat them, join them, right? right. <laughs> if you can't, you can't get rid of it, eat it. <laughs> a lot of critters eat uh, bamboo and that's all they eat, right? Oh, yeah, oh the panda is the yeah, most right. notable, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's the, the same the same variety as the and, – and why we call it the Japanese knotweed, I have no idea, but uh, because I just call it bamboo is what I had always seen it as because it looks so similar to to the pictures you see of bamboo because they have those links that they – but so anyway. If a panda doesn't like the knotwood, <laughs> and, uh, I wouldn't want to be too close to them under any – they're not as cute as they are. They're not very friendly to people. Is that right? Well, who can blame them, you know? Right. <laughs> they didn't get the memo that they're supposed to, you know, be cuddly little things like, you know, like the, the stuffed versions of them, you know. That's right. Polar bears are another good example. Yeah, uh, you know, really, I, I, I don't think I would uh, try to cuddle up to a polar bear anytime mm-hmm. soon, that's for sure. And uh, I was wondering, are, do you still have the problem with the uh, the spongy caterpillar moth? Um, I've noticed a few crawling around the the sidewalk. I I should you know I I shouldn't really talk because I'm the one that was very blasé about the uh, <laughs> uh, you know about the uh, spongy uh-huh. uh, you know caterpillars. And none of, none of the trees in my backyard uh, were at all affected. Mm-hmm. I have one tree in my front yard that mm-hmm. everybody was saying, you got to get rid of it. It impinges on your driveway. It's, yeah. it's, and that's the only tree that has been totally defoliated. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, so I'm, I'm hoping it dies on its own. Otherwise, I'm going to have to cut it down. The uh, tree? The tree. Oh, it, no. It doesn't it, belong there. It does, it's right next to the driveway. It's uh, the worst place oh, between oh. me and my neighbor. Uh, and oh, the, so I, this is you're looking for an excuse to. Well, yeah, it's the one everybody wants me to cut down anyway. <laughs> and it's the only one that was affected. It's usually the other way around. Yeah, my right. favorite tree. You know, Your favorite I, tree. Yeah, the one yeah. I put the yeah. chaise lounge under, mm-hmm, you know, in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you know, as the one that uh, would be affected if, you know, the way things always happen, Murphy's Law, you know. Yeah, yeah of course. Well, but, uh, so uh, I've been lucky. I've been lucky. But in the in the Colchester uh, uh, Airport Park, mm-hmm. which is where I go, boy, I tell you, mm-hmm. you could walk into the woods and the sun is as bright as it is in the field. So many of the trees are just completely defoliated. Wow. But 
The trees that are in the park, that are scattered throughout the park, in and around the ball fields, in other words, the mm-hmm. ones that they wanted to keep, yeah. they taped, mm-hmm. and it worked like a charm. Yeah. So, oh, that's good. I was glad to hear it because it, I was just about to say there's a few things you can do, and the yeah. tape is one of them. And it's sort of like a, they use the... They put it around the tree about, about with six, the sticky about six side feet up. up. The sticky side is up. Yeah, and uh, and all and every one of them, every one of them has uh, mm-hmm. been been preserved. But in the in the woods itself, yeah, it's really strange. It's uh, you know like a, very eerie because you know this is the time of year you go into the woods and it's all dark <laughs> and you're under this umbrella, and uh, it's like winter. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Let's see, we have somebody on the line here. All right. I still haven't made my spongy uh, sponge cake, although I do have the recipe here. <laughs> I do have the recipe for sponge cake uh, with uh, uh, added a cup of spongy caterpillars so if you, you want to get a little protein in your sponge cake. <laughs> Back on my uh, my first Vermont radio job at the Middlebury Station, yeah. we had a program called Country Joel's Country Kitchen. Oh, boy. <laughs> and we... Uh, <laughs> And we uh, solicited recipes from our listeners, and we had a wonderful time with it. Oh, I'll bet. And, of course, me and my co-host, uh, the two of us were just, you know, we had no experience cooking and baking <laughs> and everything. But so we would try some of the stuff and point out everything everything that went wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> at well, any rate, I didn't want to... We had our, somebody trying to call. I, I, I think so. It was on a different line, though. 244-1777. If you oh, have okay. something to say, we'll put you right on. Okay, yeah. And, yeah. Um, if you have any recipes for sponge cake, well, let us know. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you better call right now, otherwise I'll give my recipe for sponge for spongy moss sponge cake. It's in here somewhere. <laughs> I do have it here. I didn't bring it. Well, you know, I, I certainly had so chocolate, Kevin Anson, and a few other things. I've never never had the nerve to try earthworms, which is, just seems yeah, awful we, to me. Here but. We go. We're big. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, no one wants to hear my recipe for spongy caterpillar sponge cake. Okay. Your first name in town, please. Hi, Joel Forbes. It is Forbes. <laughs> we'll have blueberry. We'll have blueberry pie before we know Pretty it, right? Quick. Yeah, yeah, I'll bring it up for you. <laughs> that sounds great. I just I know got it. an interesting <laughs> subject, but mm-hmm. it'll get things going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you still there? I'm sorry. I'm saying, no, we're here. What's the, uh, we're all ears. There's a lot of interest out there and a lot on the media, but what's the difference between hemp and marijuana, uh-huh. and how big is it uh, as an industry, let's say, here in Vermont? Yeah, yeah. And uh, they talk about gummies and mm-hmm. everywhere, but mm-hmm. how big is this? It's probably take a whole, day, a whole program just to explain it. Yeah, and... It's not my it's not my expertise by a long shot. Um, uh, I mean, when they first made it legal, we tried to to grow a couple of uh, a couple of plants, and and the I realized that two plants was more than enough for a family of four. Given that I don't touch the stuff. Uh, and my son got quite, quite involved in it and we had some, uh, that, that was the year that I actually uh, learned that it's not the leaves that you're harvesting, it's the buds that you're harvesting. So <laughs> I was, <laughs> that's how ignorant about that I am. But, uh, the, there's a, it's a difference, um, there's a difference in that it's the same family. And just like hops is in the same family, but it's uh, just a, a different composition. The hemp originally, of course, was was grown for the fiber, and not you know not the buds or the leaves or anything, but for the fiber and the stalk because it, that's what your you know your hemp ropes are made out of, and the hemp twine and all that other stuff. It's long fiber, sort of like a, a linen um, is uh, you know. Is uh, from long fiber, and even uh, the Indians used to use sunflower, the sunflower stalk, to make a, a long fiber to weave with. So the, but the hemp has doesn't have the THC, which is the you know psychotropic uh, element. Uh, at least it doesn't have it in that has it in very very small quantities, as compared to the uh, your regular old uh, pot. 
I did read a... How, uh, how big an, uh, an industry is it? Is it significant here in Vermont? Or uh, which one, the hemp or the pot? Uh, well, the pot, basically. Oh. Well, it's going to be it's legal. Going to be. It's going to the, the first commercial stores are are, apply, are going to be opening this year, not yeah. too, not and not too far down the road. I know that the hemp industry in Vermont has uh, gone down considerably. Yeah. And I don't know if that's in the wake of the fact that uh, uh, the marijuana growing and retail sale of it is is uh, going to be happening. But, uh, you know, the the um, hemp industry itself uh, comes up with the, what, the CBD, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. products. And there are, you know, a number of places yeah. all throughout Vermont that sell these CDP products, which are perfectly legal. There's some mm-hmm. question as to yeah. how effective they are for some of the things that they are alleged to be effective yeah. for. But uh, the I did read an agricultural report that after a big, big rise in interest in it and the sale of the products, the, uh, the industry is down because uh, the uh, growers are not really able to sell all they're able to grow. So yeah. there's, uh, there's less of that. Yeah. It seemed to be a, a logistics problem, or yep. you know, where where uh, they could grow more than the, the there was a a demand for, and that's uh, and then so therefore the price you know per bale went down, and so it just was not a, not a good situation for for yeah. the people who were growing. And yeah. I, there still are hemp hemp farms out there. Oh uh, yeah, and, and and for sure, certainly for the CBD. Yeah, but, I'm no expert either. I, you yeah. know, and it's not it's not any uh, on any moral grounds. But I I <laughs> have, have I have no interest in pot. Real, can you, if you can believe that? No hippie here, and uh, have not tried the the CBD products for anything. Although my uh, daughter. Uh, out in uh, out west in Oregon uh, yeah. uses C, what yeah. is CD, CBD products yeah. and swears by them. Yeah. So um, who knows, you know? Yeah. But uh, it's for sure it it will become a, a larger crop for sure because uh, they've approved and, and you know I give high marks for the state of Vermont giving the local growers and the small growers a first crack at yes. it. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe that, and hopefully that'll work out well for people who are trying to farm and, you know, uh, farmers who are trying to expand and, and go into other, uh, other farming industries and, yeah, that was expressly to keep the uh, huge conglomerate from just coming in yeah. and just taking over the Take entire over. industry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I felt that, that. Well, anyway, high marks on in my book, anyway, for taking that approach. Uh, so Forbes, what do you know about uh, pot? Uh, you, I, I'm not a participant, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it seems to be. Yeah, I mean, everywhere you pick things up or on a, on a, mm-hmm. the computer or anything else, it seems to be a growing <laughs> aspect of all. No all pun parts. intended, there, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it's definitely yeah, a growing it's, industry. It's yeah, it's part, and of course, for farmers or people with a uh, you know lamb that they have to give up or anything else, it seems like it might be an alternative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, depending on what they what they do grow, but yeah, it could uh, it could save uh, some land going uh, fallow. Yeah, right. And, uh, also, some economy for those that still like the traditional farming aspect. Yeah. All right. I just thought it, it, uh, it is. A, well, I'll, a I'll look into a little more. See if I can uh, find out more about it as far as uh, as far as that's concerned. So you're not trying to grow grow pot? No, no. Okay. I've got yeah. my hands full with what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can yeah. see the the stains on your hands. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. if you grow grow a little pot, you wouldn't care too much about the uh, bugs on the uh, blueberries or the. Yeah. Probably. Or the or the caterpillars, yeah. you know. Right. Yeah. All yeah. Yep. Living. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, so I was thinking about the um, where were we with the spongy and the knotweed. Independence Day was one of the things I was thinking about, and just a review uh, because I think that food independence is is. Uh, is a good goal uh, for gardeners, and it's not necessarily the one and only, for sure, 
but it's an interesting uh, exercise. And I think I've mentioned it before that um, you could grow. Uh, well, I figured it out sort of backwards. You're taking the daily minimum requirements for vegetables and fruits and kind of figured it out backwards as if I grew this many of those and that many of these, you know, what, um, you know, how much room would it take and, and what would you have to grow? And so my independence days when I can grow enough vegetables to feed us for the year. Mm. And, uh, if you work backwards, right, it's about, um, about 450 pounds per person uh-huh. per annual. And that's about, you know, that's obviously 900 pounds a year. And when I figured it out without, without, uh, serious, uh, succession planting, you could do that in 24 four by four beds. And, which is actually not that much space for, for two people. And, uh, that would be, you know, planting, well, uh, my list of them was, was 24 broccoli plants. Uh, 24 bush bean plants, uh, two trellises of pole beans, and then, um, oh, let's see, a couple of beds of beets and a couple of beds of, and a couple of trellises of peas. Um, 24 squares, which would be not quite two beds of spinach. Cherry tomatoes, I usually do, um, uh, six on each, uh, trellis. So that would be, um, that would be six on each trellis would be six trellises of, of, uh, cherries and, um, oh, four trellis, six trellises of, uh, regular standard. And then I also included, uh, some potatoes and that would be one whole, uh, two whole squares. That would be 32 potato plants. And, uh, then, uh, four zucchini plants, four yellow squash plants. By the way, I saw my first yellow squash. Yellow squash yesterday. Really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, great, it was great. like three inches long. I was like, hallelujah, look at that. I wonder what animal's going to get it. <laughs> I, know, I know. I'll send my bunnies over. <laughs> there you go. And then, uh, the trombone zucchini, two, oh, two trellises I of that. Those, yeah. Right. And, uh, and the, I looked at those and those had zucchinis that were about, you know, three inches long too. And then I do, uh, two trellises of cucumbers. Which is, uh, would be eight plants per. And then, uh, you know, some lettuce, some kale, some collards, some carrots, some chard, and, uh, tomatillas. I included that in my list and onions. And, um, with that much, you could, of course, you'd have to put some of this by in a freezer or can mm-hmm. it or whatever and, um, or dry it. But that would be enough for 900 pounds of um, vegetable independence. <laughs> and, you know, it, and it's interesting. It, of course, this is my own personal list. Um, and I didn't even, didn't even get a, to growing chard. And there's lots of other things you could swap for, um, you know, for spinach or, you know, those things you could swap it around. And, uh, uh, but it's really not that far off. And, um, you know, as you, uh, we are, of course, blessed with a, with a, a wonderful, uh, Mara Farmers Markets and the, the availability of these homegrown or usually organic, uh, vegetables around. So, um, uh, that's, uh, doesn't require that you, you plant and grow all these, that you can go to the farmer's market and get enough, uh, green beans to make your dilly beans or, you My know. dilly beans are great. Yeah. You, you know, you go back 150 years and this uh, is just not like a venture that you, like, hope, I mean, no. it was a matter of survival. It was a matter of such, survival. For yeah. such a huge amount of the, mm-hmm. uh, population. Yeah. yeah. So we're, you know, we're not just talking, uh, hypothetical. No, no. <laughs> anything. Yeah, one of my favorite photographs, and I've mentioned it probably 20 times before, but is the, is the, uh, the, these two girls in the garden holding cabbages, and there's this like old timey supermarket, you know, on the bottom, you know, <laughs> that's where you went shopping. And, uh, you know, you went shopping in the, uh, in the cold cellar and in the, you know, the pantry for what you had and out in the garden for what you could pick and, 
um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a worthwhile venture, and certainly, certainly, trying to do something like that gives you a tremendous sense of appreciation to the farmers yeah. and the availability of fresh food that we yeah. have. I'm I'm old enough, uh, you know, in my late seventies that. When I was a kid, like nine or ten years old, mm-hmm. I had a part-time job mm-hmm. when I was staying at my grandparents, uh, going up the hill to the farm on the top of the hill, yeah. where we uh, were two 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 tasks I remember. One of which was uh, well, one of which was shoveling out a chicken coop. I'll get the <laughs> other one first. Shoveling out a chicken coop, which when I started shoveling. And mm-hmm. scraping the bottom of my head could touch the ceiling of the chicken coop. But when we got finally got everything out that we were going to get out, yeah. there was about a foot oh. <laughs> space between me and the so that shows you what those chickens do. But the other one was just digging this hole through the soil underneath one of the barns and we were digging a root cellar. Oh you yeah. know? Yeah. And I can't tell you how much fun that was. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I can get a hint. But uh you know, absolute necessity. <laughs> Those are the days when when they had you know four or five men go dig a uh, you know a cellar hole. Well, that's what the for uh, a house you know. <laughs> yeah, well the the uh, the senior the senior math man was out there do, doing. He had a huge peach orchard, yeah, and an apple orchard, mm-hmm. and he was out there. And the, the women folk were doing all the things that they were doing. Not that they weren't working hard; they oh, were yeah. actually doing all the gardens yep. and everything. But uh, the uh, I was like about nine or ten, mm-hmm. and the, my uh, my older friend, uh, the son in the family, he was about 15, and we just dug and dug and dug and dug. <laughs> and I said, boy, that... You know. <laughs> so I, that's why I went into radio. No, no heavy lifting or shoveling. Well, there's a lot of shoveling, but it's of a different variety. When you say you dig it, it's a whole different story, you know, right? <laughs> I'm still shoveling, but it's uh, of a different variety. Of a different variety, that's we, for sure. We have a caller, a couple callers. Let's okay. go to caller number one. All and right. let's see. First name in town, please. It's Randy from Waltham. You're hey. on. Hey, Randy. So a few weeks ago, we had a discussion about how I could revive my asparagus. Oh, yeah, okay. And you suggested that I don't rototill it in, that I, you know, fertilize it and water Water it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I did. I pulled the grass out of it a couple times, and Mm -hmm. yes, it has recovered nicely. Oh, great. (laughs) Oh, and I also limed it because I was getting... Quite a bit of moss coming in. Oh yeah, that's a good plan right there. That's that's a the number one uh, sign that you're you're a little acidic. Yeah. So I just to let you know about that, and then uh, I'd also suggest that people pick up the kiddie pools beside the road. To yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, we're we're eating our first nice romaine lettuce and uh-huh. rainbow carrots out of it. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> I told my wife about that, and she looked at me sideways and said, oh, okay. <laughs> "I don't well, think it so." Inviting in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you put it out back where nobody can see it. Yeah. It's okay to have a green pool that way. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so now I've got a further question. Yeah. Okay. Last year I. I had an endeavor where I tried to grow leeks and onions, and they went along just beautiful, and then just as they were ready to harvest, I got maggots that invaded, and I mean, everything was gone. Oh, boy. It was just total mush. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they call that the, the leek moth, and, uh, it does, of course, turn into, uh, uh, turn into a caterpillar or a maggot-like thing. Um, and there, there's a couple of different things. There's the, there's what, was it on the roots or was it on the tops? No, it, it, they totally bored right into the flesh of the, yeah, of so the onions and the, that was the, probably the leap, the, the leek moth and they call it the leek moth, but it affects all the alliums, all the onion plants. Well, yeah. it sure did. Yeah, and, there's not a lot of good news there. Uh, the the only way that you can uh, deal with it is prevention. You have to you have to start right early on. And some people suggest using a you know hoop house with a remake cloth. 
Um, I've had sort of mixed lucks with that because at one point I was trying to avoid <clears throat> something and it turned out that all I did was trap it in there and it, it went nuts. So, uh, you have to make sure that, so what you're, where you want to start out is just pick another place, another, you know, uh, part of another your garden. Kitty. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the of course the second thing is is in that spot where you have the problem is to take a piece of clear plastic and put it on that bed and just leave it there for you know a few weeks. And what you're doing is you're solarizing. Basically, you're cooking the soil, um, and that that can help a tremendous amount. But um, if or when you get back to there, say in three years, you want to give it, you know, the cycle there to, to go through and grow something that's not in the onion family, uh, for those three years. And then, uh, when you go back, make sure that you're, um, you know, you're, you're treating those plants and watching them, make sure that there's, that they aren't laying eggs in, inside there. And you can treat that with a, with an insecticide like um, uh, uh, the neem oil or the uh, Captain Jack's, uh, um, you, you know, dead bug, that one. Right. So that's that's sort yeah, of well, you you have to prevent it. There's nothing you can do once that's that's set in there. Okay. Does seven do anything to them? Yeah, but the, uh, seven is uh, is not an organic uh, necessarily. Um, I mean, it's okay if if that's what you want to use, that's fine. But the other ones, they are are not, uh, you know, they're not chemicals, and they work just as well. So I probably would, I would probably I've go with that. I've got the Jack's Magic, and I've got some neem oil. Yeah, yeah, try those is what I would start with, you know, but. Um, and since they're, they are in the vicinity, I would, I would start right up with your, with your next crop, you know, and, uh, do you have some planted and growing now? Uh, they, I mean, they're just small. They're, yeah. Yeah. So this is the time that, you know, you want to, um, you want to really watch for them. Now it's interesting, uh, and, and this is related in that, um, they say if you, uh, treat your apple trees or your pear trees or any of your fruit trees, you know, from from uh, the first bud, you know, right on through July, you will have done as much good as if you try to treat them from August on. So, you know, the early treatment is really the most effective. So you wanna you wanna get in there early, and and I would probably go ahead and and use that uh, the neem oil, or the Captain Jack, right away on those right now. Right. Okay. Good advisement. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear about your asparagus. Thank you, because I was wondering about that. <laughs> well, we've got Nola on the line, oh, but we, hey, and we will check with Nola right at. We're overdue on a break. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So All right, we'll Nola. Right we'll talk to you in a bit. Just a minute. Yep. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Nola's on the line for you. Okay. Hey, Nola, what's up? Hey, um, a few things are up. So. Okay. Happy Saturday, and I do have a Robert Frost poem to share with you guys. But All right. Back in 1995, yeah. I got a bunch of people together, and we started a garden at our local public elementary school. Mm-hmm. And it was great, and we did it for a while. And then about 12 years ago, a bunch of parents stepped in and said, we want to do it. We don't want you to do it. Mm. So I didn't want to cause any problems, so I stepped aside, and they took over. Um this year, it was bequeathed back to me and a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So we got down there back in May, dug it up, and planted 
squash and tomatoes and all kinds of things. Yeah. It is currently completely overridden with horsetail. What can we do with Horse. horsetail? I don't mean mm. what can we do with it. I don't want to grow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Any thoughts? Uh, and, I know, uh, I'm a problem child. Uh, I am. <laughs> what are you doing right now? This minute I'm talking on the phone with you. <laughs> so, you mean with the horsetail? Yeah, with the well, horsetail. We're trying to pull it, but the yeah. root system is its pretty extravagant in terms of spreading and reaching everywhere. So Interesting. I, it strikes me that pulling it is actually stimulating, oh, we better grow some more. Yeah, it could be, but I, I think you sort of have to either either pull it or, or mow it for a while. But the one thing with horsetail is it likes uh, a pretty acidic soil. So I guess I would start with pulling it and then liming it um, okay. uh, to see if that doesn't set it back of, uh, uh, somewhat. Bit, yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't put any nitrogen on there, at least for for now. Um, mm-hmm. And then after you do that, I would just take a big sheet of black plastic and some stones and set it on there for, uh, you know, again, a couple of weeks to reclaim you know, and to, to maybe kill out the roots. And that, gotcha. that is probably your best bet right there. Um, I know that people talk about the Japanese knotweed, and that's one of the strategies we use for that. Now, uh, this, um, uh, describe, what does it look like? Is that the one with the, the long green, dark green stalk? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it almost looks like it has links in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that generally is sort of a, a swampy, marshy kind of... Uh, Which uh, makes no sense. Yeah, it's it doesn't make any middle sense, middle. Uh, assuming that it's not marshy there. No. Not, yeah, not so all. yeah, I would I would do that. I would probably, that came in on somebody's compost or, you That's know... That's my guess is, yeah. Yeah, so... All right, well, we'll so see how we do it. Treat it with a, a good amount, and if I was doing it... If you have a choice between regular uh, lime and dolomite lime, I would go for the dolomite. What about because, green sand? Well, you know that's more for your for your phosphorus, not or more for phosphorus. And, than it is. and then, and I don't really know what what would stimulate its growth. All I know is that for sure that it prefers a. Um, you know, a sour soil, an acidic right, soil. So I would start with that and then, then go for the plastic and then, and then okay. see how it goes, you know. Thank you. But, uh, at that point, you, you know, you should see something happening. And I suspect it's probably not much different if you mow it or if you, if you pull it, uh, and mowing it would be a whole heck of a lot easier. Well, We'll do. I mean, we've got enough. We could try all three options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, then we could have a little research project going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. All right. Exactly. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you very, very much. Sure. Um, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, I was uh, I was looking at uh, one of the the books my wife is reading about diet. Uh, talks about using ancient grains, you know, uh, emir and uh, icorn and a few like that. And then, of course, the amaranth and, you know, some of the different grains. Uh, have you ever grown any of those? Grown amaranth. Amaranth? It's yeah. good stuff. Oh, yeah? Uh, I, actually, to the point of grain, or do you yeah. eat the leaves? Well, the, the leaves are their own special thing. Yeah. The seeds... You can grind them and use them as flour. Oh, you've oh. got to be adaptable because this is not going to be the same as getting a bad team Arthur, you know. Right. And and that's the trick. We've been spoiled with all this bagged stuff. In yeah, there. yeah. Well, that's sort of try. yeah. That's sort of what I was thinking too. It was like. My wife was saying, oh, we should use these whole grains. And I said, I have no idea how to cook them, kiddo. <laughs> you know, this is like going to be a steep learning curve. Well, uh, there's nothing wrong with steep learning curves. And if you fall, it hurts a little more. But that's life. But try, try one or two of them. Yeah, okay, good. That might good. be a good idea for the back of our back garden, which is just yeah. too much to handle. Yeah. All right, we'll yeah. try doing some grain growing. All right. That would be good. So I'd just like to share this frost poem. Yes. With all of you listening, it's uh, tilted towards the 4th of July. And mm-hmm. it's not that long, but it's not as short. So 
Independence Day, huh? It's a great story. Not of school age. That's (laughs) the name of the poem. Around bend after bend, it was blown woods and no end. I came to but one house. I made but the one friend. At the one house, a child was out who drew back at first in doubt, but spoke to me in a gale that blew, so he had to shout. His cheek smeared with apple sand, a part apple in his hand. He pointed on up the road as one having war command. A parent, his gentle one, looked forth on her small son and wondered with me there what now was being done. His accent was not good, but I slowly understood something where I could go. He couldn't, but I could. He was too young to go, not over four or so. Well, would I please go to the school? And the big flag they had, you know, the big flag, the red, the white, the blue flag, the great sight, he bet it was out today. Mm. And would I see if he was right? (laughs) I like that poem. So happy 4th of July to Thank you. all of you, and let's Thank see you. what we can do with horsetail and greens. <laughs> yeah, let's, good let's luck see. with Good luck. Uh, <laughs> Let me know how you. it goes, Nola. Bye-bye. Joel, did you say you had another call? No. What? Wait. No. 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 Okay. All right. No. <laughs> so that was Randy and Nola then with the two calls. Yeah. Well, Independence Day, and uh, further in on that theme is, uh, well, what would it take to to grow or, you know, uh, yeah, to grow and harvest all the fruits that you needed? So, again, back to my um, my uh, minimum daily requirements and all the rest, I figured for uh, one person it would take about 350 pounds of fruits. So it's 700 pounds for the two of us. So one year, two people. And, uh, of course, I have uh, the 10 uh, bushes of blackberries. And a conservative estimate is that's about 40 pounds, about 8 pounds per bush. And this would be about 40 pounds worth. And um, two, actually, grapevines. And I grow these on my uh, uh, trellises. And... um, that would give us another good 60 pounds, and then uh, two beds of strawberries would be another 60 pounds. And then I have uh, six um, dwarf apple and uh, pear trees, and that would range somewhere around 400 pounds. It might, you know, depending on the year and all the rest, um, and that would make us uh, 640 pounds which is pretty close uh, to the 700 pounds I was shooting for. And then I would add add to that something like the ground cherries um, uh, or uh, some melons, which I, I find uh, really good fruit. Cantaloupe especially is one of my favorites. So it actually doesn't take a lot to provide the uh, – the 700 pounds of uh, fruit in your garden. So, again, Independence Day, right? <laughs> so we have Ann in Brookfield. Hey, Ann, how are you today? Yes, I really enjoy your show oh, so good. much. Well, I enjoy and your calling. I just want to make sure that I do the right thing. I sure. think you said place wine pine bark around the tomatoes, not on the stem but near it, around it, right? Uh, I don't remember saying that, but it's a good thing to put a, a mulch around your tomatoes. Um, my even even hit the stem. No. Uh, yeah, it can it can yeah. touch the stem because okay. it's pretty much innocuous. But my preference, of course, is for straw, not hay, but straw. Uh, oh. But the uh, you know you can you can use a bark as well, and probably if you're using a bark, you want to. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't matter whether it touches the stem or not. It's not going to bother it. Because you said it keeps the tomato worm away. Yeah, the tomato worm, and uh, and probably just as more important is that it keeps uh, when it rains, it keeps the dirt from splashing up onto the stem, which can. Uh, uh, there's a several. There's the early blight and the late blight. That uh, well, actually, more the early blight than the late blight, but. Uh, and of course, trimming the, 
the yeah. leaves. You, you got that. That helps for the airflow and, um, you know, helps to prevent the late blight. Yes. I can see some of the lower stems mm-hmm. have a blight on them. So I will cut that off. Yeah, just cut it off. Yeah. And okay. yeah, go ahead. And thing, one thing to remember is the plant itself is going to cut off uh, the leaves on the lower part of the stem because it doesn't need them anymore. Okay. So there's no sense in them, you know, mm-hmm. f- feeding mm-hmm. them and they, they actually make a small callus on mm-hmm. the stem between the stem and the, and the leaf. Oh, and okay. uh, that's why when you break them off, they usually come off pretty easily. Is that uh, sure. the plant is saying, "I don't need you anymore." And, Correct. <laughs> you know, so the the plant, most of the plant nutrient comes from the top four sets of leaves. Okay. And so those are the ones that you want to make sure you keep. And mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. um, so, what kind of tomatoes are you planting? Um, I have mostly the little tomatoes. I yeah. love them. The cherry the orange tomatoes ones, are great. Because I have arthritis, so yeah. it doesn't bother my hands like the big red ones. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the acid, yeah. Acid, right. Yeah, yeah. Those are and the, I, yeah. Right. And I know you said something the other day, not on this program, but mm-hmm. in on WDEV, about how you keep the frost of tomatoes and peppers, I think it was, and I only heard the tail end of it. Oh, okay. Well, that's real simple, and it wasn't necessarily the frost. Oh. Um, it was actually um, what you don't realize is that the eggplants and the peppers – if it goes below 55 degrees, mm-hmm. the they'll flower, but the flowers don't set well. They don't make a fruit well. I see. So what I do is I put a hoop house over those plants uh, with a with a, a couple of um, uh, pieces of plastic pipe, mm-hmm. um, a section of fencing, and I mm-hmm. tie that out. And then I just put one single sheet of plastic over the whole top. Mm-hmm. I leave the front and the back open. Mm-hmm. So that there's airflow, mm-hmm. and uh, but that captures the heat as it radiates at night to keep that mm-hmm. one little tiny spot um, uh, above 55 degrees, and that okay. works just wonderfully. And uh, for a long time, I I had very spotty uh, fruiting on on those plants. Mm-hmm. Now you can do the same thing with the tomatoes, but they tend to run, particularly the cherry tomatoes. They run a lot hardier than right. than anything else. So I right. I don't bother with those. And the cherries right. are, the cherry tomatoes. The only one problem with those is that they never make it into the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. I know, and I have I give some of the friend my friends, you know, some of the garden, and they go over and they pick them too. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you might just as well eat them, you know, enjoy them because right. if they leave them on too long, they crack, right. and then you have to, you know, uh, right. wash them or right. cut them up. But yeah. But thank you so very much. Well, you appreciate your show. Yeah, yes. I appreciate your call yes. for sure. You have a good day. Yeah, yeah. take care now and happy fourth. Bye bye. You too. <laughs> yeah, take care. Uh, Independence Day. I tell you, um, the the um, my wife showed me a. Uh, a video of this young seven-year-old girl who was saying, uh, you know, the the song at the beginning of a soccer match, you know, and, uh, oh, say, can you see? And I honestly, Whitney Houston couldn't have done it better. She did such a job with so much feeling. It was like, how could that much beautiful sound come from that little tiny girl, you know? It's stirring. Both of us were saying, where's the tissue, you know? <laughs> Talent and feeling both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got a couple of calls coming, but we'll do so after the break. Okay, okay. Yep, yeah. yeah. Hold on till after break. And, Thank you. Uh, and, of course, the break means these are the fine people that can help <laughs> you with your gardens and make this program possible. Yep. In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. It's In the Garden with Peter Burke, and let's go right off the bat to uh, Jim. 
Hey, Jim. In Williamstown. Hey. hey, how you doing? Good. How about yourself? Uh, Williamstown. Bad. Williamstown. What's going on in Williamstown? Something. Something's going on. Oh, the the ice cream thing is going on in Williamstown, isn't it? Well, anyway, go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jim? What you got? Did you lose? Did we lose him? Oh, okay. Jim, we, we, we may sorry. have. Let us go to Wild Bill in South Woodbury then. <laughs> okay. And Jim, call back, would you please? Sorry about that. Wild Bill, are you there? I'm here. Okay, good. What's up? Well, I planted uh, two different types of cucumbers. Okay. And they came up there about an inch and a half, two inches tall. Mm -hmm. And the, I don't know the variety names. But uh, the one was about half the, the height of the other one. And the ones that were diminutive looked like a bird pooped all of them. They, oh. The leaves turned white. Oh, oh. But... They, it wasn't bird poop. Huh. Huh. I, it's, it sounds like you got powdery mildew, which is a little early in the season to get, but uh, that that is the most likely thing. Uh, and and, well, and I, 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 the other the other section, the other variety, yeah, yeah. didn't get anything. Yeah, yeah. And uh, is it an heirloom variety? Do you know which variety you, the, you're having the problem no, with? No, no. It, it, it came from uh, um, no, high mowing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're okay. two different ones. And so I just I plucked the white ones out. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, they, they sit. Yeah. No more problem. I was just wondering what the yeah. white stuff was. And, I, it, it's, a, it's a powdery mildew is is the most likely. I can't say for absolutely sure, but uh, you did just what you should do. And you can try to spray it with um, oh baking soda in in uh, uh, or just plain milk, whole milk. You could try that. Anything to change a pH, even uh, like a, a fish or a sea kelp um, spray on the leaves, uh, that'll change the pH enough to so that they don't so that the mildew doesn't grow. Um, but if you're not having the problem, then I wouldn't worry about it. I'd just ignore it. Because the peas and the uh, cucumbers are all right next to each other. Yeah. Well, powdery mildew, it, it, it it's here with us. Uh, Always, you know, it, it doesn't really go away. Um, and it's, as I said, it's much more common on a, you know, a, a plant that has sort of run its course. Uh, you know, when you get to the end of the season, you'll see it. But, uh, yeah, that, that would be my guess. My best guess. Okay. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Take care, Bill. And, uh, you have, uh, Trudy. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Trudy. Hello. How's it going? I think going? you may have answered this question for someone else, but I had to go in the house and my radio's on the screen for it, <laughs> listening to you in the, in the garden. <laughs> What's uh, going on? I'm more than glad to uh, say it. Tomatoes. Yeah. Should you remove the suckers? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I, I mean, un, un, Absolutely, you want to remove the suckers. The only time you might not remove suckers, and I still do it, uh, is with a, a bush plant that is only going to grow two or three feet tall. You can let the suckers grow, but still, even with a bush plant, I, I remove them uh, just because you want the airflow in there, one, and you mm -hmm. want um, you want them to concentrate their uh, energy into the fruits and not all the way up to the top. All the way up to the top. Yep, I okay. do. I take good, them out. Good because I just did a lot of them. <laughs> and I I finally realized where the green thumb came from, and is that the that's the that's from suckering the tomato plants. <laughs> I, I just put on clean gloves so they weren't dirty. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I I'm a. a uh, a big proponent of the cutting the suckers and actually uh once the flowers have set you know and that usually is about oh a foot to 10 inches up from the ground i mm -hmm. take all the branches off up to that point 
And then once the next one, another 10 inches up, once those flowers set, I take all those branches off. So you can, you know, you take the branches off the vine all the way and you just carry that on up. So, uh, my, my tomato plants look like a green stalk and, uh, with tomatoes on them. And yep. I have just found that that is the best way to get a nice crop of tomatoes and, you know, you get a, a good airflow around them. They're a lot less likely to get it any of the other nasty diseases. And the also is that if you do get the tomato hornworm, you're going to see them a lot sooner because there's just not that sure. much there for them to eat. And, sure. and uh, also, you know, you have to visit your tomato plants just about every week to keep up with that. So. Oh, I do it almost every day. There you go. <laughs> then I'm, I'm with you, Trudy. <laughs> well. and, I, and I just stomp them. <laughs> yeah, I what know. Is that? You do what? <laughs> now, my eggplant are only about 18 inches high. Should I let the blossoms materialize at this point? Um, well, yes, definitely. Um, they will grow actually up to two foot, just like your pepper plants. Oh, yeah. But here's oh, here's yeah. the, the thing, and you must do this, is that you've got to put a stake of some sort. And mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be much, but it, you need to have something to to, um, to yeah. hold it up. What I use yeah. is those the little bamboo shoots that you can buy in a bundle. Oh. And, uh, I mean, of course, you can use just about anything. You could use yeah. a sapling of any kind. You well, know, I've got some of those wire rings. And yeah. A ring at the top with an opening. Oh, perfect. That's what I've used yeah, that. no, that that's perfect. And I I might actually go ahead and tie it at one point in the middle yeah. there too, um, because the those once those fruits start to form, they do get heavy and they will pull down a oh, plant yeah. pretty quickly, particularly if there's any wind or or hard rain. All we've had is wind. No much, not much hard rain. <laughs> no, I know it. And are you watering well, your garden up, Beth? Uh, not as often as I probably should. But Twice a week now, from now yeah, on yeah, until, until the middle of August, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, um, the other thing, I, I heard, I briefly caught something last week about watering with fish emulsion. Yeah, yep, yep. Now, I've got some that I've had a few years. Yeah, is it it's fine. Still okay? Yeah, it's still fine. Um, yeah, just shake now, it good because it does have a little bit of sediment, and you know you want to shake it up a little bit. Now, can you water everything with that? Yep, absolutely everything. You can, you can water it. Uh, I I now, usually put, put it. Yep, go ahead. Now, should I put it on the leaves? The the fish motion you can you can spray like a foliar spray, but you want to make sure okay. you don't do that in the in when the sun's Hot out, time. you know, or yeah. you know. Between the hot hours of 12 and 2, right. or 11 and 2, right. or 10 and 2. Right. But yeah. the, the nice thing about using the bucket in the cup I mentioned earlier was that you can, you can water anytime during the day, whether it's hot or, you know, sunny or anything, because you're going to put it right on the, right on the stem, you know, and it'll soak down into, I into even the, do that with a hose. I just put it down on the bottom of the base of the yep, tomato plant. Yep. Yeah, if you're using a hose, that's the way to do it. But you, then that makes it a little harder to... Uh, With a shower yeah, versus, right. mm-hmm. you know, yep. strong. Sounds okay, perfect, Trudy. <laughs> All right, and I, and I just cut my scapes this week, so... Oh, good. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm looking forward to grilling them. Oh, I cooked them already. Oh, you did? <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cut, cut them and cook them almost instantly. There you go. That's the best way to do it. That's the best way to have vegetables. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. There's nothing like that, is there? I know. Okay. My, very my, good. I guess that answers all my questions for this year. <laughs> this year. Well, maybe for this week. How about? <laughs> raspberries. That's the other thing. Yeah. I have got those things that are cutting the double ring on almost all of my new growth this year. Oh, boy. I've caught a couple of them. I know what they look like, but I haven't seen one. And every day, I have to take out at least a handful. Wow. Yeah. They're cutting cutting all the tops on all my new growth. Last year, I had almost no raspberries. And this year, there's a lot. But all the new growth, they're cutting the tops. Huh. And I go through and I take them off and I put them in the trash bin. What do they look like? Uh, They're an elongated flying bug. They're brownish. Like like light brown, mm-hmm. and they're oh maybe an inch long, almost an inch long. 
Wow. And that they're they're an elongated bug. Last year I didn't have many, but boy, they're getting me this year. Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate that those things do go in uh, in cycles. But uh, for a bug, I. I'll have to take a look. I don't know that Captain Jacks would would work on a on a flying bug. I know they work mostly on beetles, but uh, yeah. I'll That's check that out and see what I can figure out. I want out. to put it on my raspberries though that are got fruit on them. Oh, I I wouldn't recommend anything but the that that was not organic. Um, the yeah. the Captain Jacks you can use the day before you pick, I and just I like the neem oil, them. all you have to do is yeah. wash them. Yeah, it comes right off. My blueberries are loaded this year. Yeah, I, yeah, me too. I then. got sick of picking them last year, and I know I'm going to get sick of picking them this year. <laughs> it's a nice problem to have, Trudy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I froze 25 quarts besides what oh. we ate, and I, there's way more this year than there was last year. Yeah. Six relatively small bushes. Oh, boy. That sounds great, like a nice problem. <laughs> All right, kiddo. I will. Right, uh, we'll talk to you next week. And, uh, Joel, you said you have Jim on the line from Williamstown. Hey, there we go, Jim. Thanks for calling back. Hey, yeah, I don't know what happened there, but. <laughs> hey, talking about tomatoes, I, all my tomato plants are doing well. Yeah. I've got fruit, but everything is kind of uh, at the lower end of the plant. Nothing. I got flowers galore up above, but I've, I have yet to see. A tomato up there. Everything is kind of uh-huh. on the bottom there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, um, you can try, uh, and, and of course, this is one thing that I watched on YouTube. And they they say beat your pota- tomatoes, you know, and uh, and this is uh, also another fellow I read about who was talking about tomatoes is that. He had all of his tomatoes up on a uh, trellis that had that was all on one long uh, uh, metal metal pipe, and he would uh, every time he went um, near his tomatoes, he would whack that metal pipe. And the reason being is that the 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 tomato is self pollinating, so. The flowers up above, you know, uh, pollinate the flowers down below and the flowers down below that. So um, what you want to do is, uh, you know, make sure that you, you know, once a day or, you know, as many times as you walk by your tomatoes, but at least um, every few days you want to go out and just whack whatever, whether they're tied up to, if it's a, a wooden stake or a metal trellis like I have, or if yeah, I got, I got there, I got them tied to a metal uh, wooden stake, and yeah. I got a trellis around them. And yeah, yeah. I heard you mention that last year. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I had fruit up above and nothing down below, and that seemed to work. <laughs> well, do the opposite thing you were doing last year then. <laughs> so I should bang on the bottom instead of the top. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Somehow or another, you want to jiggle that stuff loose, and and of course it's best if you do it during the, you know, a dry part of the of the day, so that uh, the the pollen you know comes loose and falls down and pollinates. And it, I mean, if you really uh, want to make sure, you know, you can always do the fertilization yourself, where you take a a Q-tip and you just run it around each one of the. You know, just like a a bee would do, or a bumblebee, right. or you know, so you'd have to, you're playing, you know, uh, uh, you're playing well, pollinator. I think what I'll do is I'll just go back to what I was doing last year. Last year I had like a little board about ten inches long, uh-huh. and you you told me to just wrap on the top. Yep. Well, you told somebody else if yep. I was listening. Yes, yeah. And I did that, and it worked. It's like. Yeah, well, I just I'll just have to go get another little piece of kindling and put it back out there. <laughs> there you go. Well, I and the the one article I read, they just use a rolled up newspaper and actually you know tap the plants themselves, you know, because uh, it it seemed sort of preposterous when uh, when I first looked at it, but I could see the the point in it. The point is just yeah. to create some sort of vibration that knocks the pollen off and has it fall down. So out there spanking your tomato. Plant. There you go. <laughs> So that that's uh you know that'd be the the simplest way. Otherwise, the try the Q-tip and you know 
then other well, I, think than I'll that, give, I think I'll give him a little rap with the wood on the trellis out there instead yeah, of going to that trouble. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sounds like a good idea. <laughs> one of those, the right. one of those will work. So, um, yeah, good. Let me know, uh, Jim, how that works. If you start to get uh, your fruit setting a little further down, further up, I mean. Yeah, I'll get back to you on that. All right, good, good, great. And uh let's see. Do you get uh any other calls or ice you... cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> well here's Lee Cattell. <laughs> hey, hey fellas. Hey Lee. Hey, uh, listen, I'd love to ask you a couple questions about how to take the bitterness out of my arugula. Right now I gotta put them in lemon juice to try and make them edible when it's time for salad, but yeah. We can work on that for another time. I'm not into the vegetables right now. I'm into dessert. Oh, yeah. Because I'm at legendary maple and ice cream in Williamstown. It's the 4th of July weekend, and you better have some ice cream. It's the American way. And not only is it American ice cream here, it's homemade, hand-packed. They got soft serve. They got hard ice cream. They've got your shakes, your specialty sundaes, oh, banana boy. splits. And a whole lot more. You want sprinkles, M&M's, peppermint crunch. It's all here, a full-service ice cream location in Williamstown. And they're open for business. And Joel, stop drooling first- now. <laughs> it sounds deliciously. Absolutely. The, hey, the first 96 people that come into Legendary today can have a free Tiny Tot ice cream. But I gotta warn you, a tiny tot's just a little serving. You're gonna want more. So my suggestion is, come and get the tiny tot in the, in the experimental flavor. And we do have some experimental flavors. We're gonna be trying some vegan ice cream and a couple of non-dairy options too. And I, and again, for the first 96 people here today, free tiny tot ice cream as part of legendary celebration on the 4th of July weekend and our celebration of 90 years of broadcasting on WDEV. So I will turn it back over to you, but Joel, I'll be checking in during the Great American Music Hall a little after 2 o'clock, spending a couple hours here at Legendary. So folks in the area, come on by. Sounds good. Ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. <laughs> yeah, we sure do. And uh, whoop, we're, we're, oh, o- we're over time. I guess we are. <laughs> I'm going to hear from Corm, so quick final word. <laughs> well, uh, happy Independence Day, everyone. Happy Fourth. Yeah. Be safe. Uh, Enjoy your garden. And we shall see you, you if I can find it next week in the <laughs> garden. There we go. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Yeah, thanks for your participation. A lot of fun today. And, of course, remember the sponsors that make this program possible. Boy, they can help you with all the issues we've been talking about today. The Willie Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro. Holly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all, by Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menards, family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By V's Flower and Garden Shop. Flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and more in Waitsfield. Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. By PR Lumber, Route 15 in Walcott. Family Mill Lumber for all projects. PR Lumber is on Facebook, too. Guy's Farm and Yard. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. They're online, DandelionAcres.com. We'll see you next Saturday at 1230 during the noon hour for In the Garden, right here on WDEV. Gonna make this go.